You know, this morning we're going to be in um, Genesis chapter 12, and I don't know, um, we're going to have to move quickly, so um, I'll, I'll preach quickly, and you listen quickly and write quickly, okay? But, um, you know, God's call to Abraham was the beginning of God's great plan to redeem and bless the world through his chosen people. And the work that God began in Abraham won't be completed until Jesus returns to claim his bride. I think that's a huge endeavor, a huge, we're, we're part of a, of a great plan that God has for all eternity. But you see, God took the initiative and he approached Abraham with a plan for his life. God is the one who spoke to Abraham. It says that in verse 1 of chapter 12 in Genesis, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram. And Abram responded to that in a positive way to God's command. In Genesis, uh, I want to read uh, verse 1 through 7 here. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. Verse 4. So Abram went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, and all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 6, Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. What I want you to understand is that obedient faith Hears God's words. Obedient faith hears God's words. I love this because it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, and then in verse 4 it says, So Abram went forth. Obedient faith hears God's word. And before you can respond in obedient faith to the Lord, you've got to hear what he's saying. It's not enough to know that he's speaking. We must hear what he's saying. See, in other words, faith is not some vague leap in the dark. It's an obedient response to God's word. That's what faith is. An obedient response to God's word. So how does God speak to us today? Sometimes we might think, well, you know, I I haven't seen God and, and, and I haven't heard him speak But the book of Hebrews begins this way. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways in these last days, has spoken to us in his son. In his son. Through Jesus Christ. You know, John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the word. Jesus is the word. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, Jesus Christ is God's Word to us. He is God's Word to us. In addition to the Word, uh, the Lord has given us His Spirit. Oh, now isn't that a great gift? The Holy Spirit that comes and dwells within us. The one who guides us, who leads us in all truth. The one who nudges us when we're supposed to do things. The one who guides us and when we're not doing right, he says, Ridge, you're not doing right. And I said, you're right, Lord, I'm not. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. See, the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and applies it to our hearts as we yield to Him and wait on Him. Those are two things. The Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and He applies it to our hearts as we yield to Him and wait on Him. To yield means to give right of way. You see those yield signs out on the highway? You know exactly what they mean. They mean look out because somebody else has the right of way. See, Christ has right of way in our heart. And it says the Holy Spirit will use the word as we yield to him, as we give him the right of way, and as we wait on him. We are a most impatient people. We don't want to wait for nothing. But you see, it's God's plan, it's God's work, that as we yield to the Holy Spirit, as we give right of way to the Holy Spirit and wait on Him, then the Holy Spirit applies the Word of God to our hearts. We don't like that. We fight that because we think we know what's best for us. But if we want to live obedient in faith to Him then we have to yield the right of way and we have to wait on the Lord. See, most of the guidance that you will ever need is contained in the Bible. But you need the wisdom. You need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to apply it to various situations. But if you're not assimilating God's Word into your thinking, if you are not living out what you're learning through God's Word then you're not giving the Holy Spirit anything to work with. See, the Holy Spirit works through and in accordance with God's Word. We need to hear this very clearly today because it is of vital importance that we hear what God has to say. I mean, if we want to be obedient to Him, we need to hear His voice. We need to be able to follow Him. Not doing our own thing, not living according to our own wisdom and what we think, but living according to God's word and in obedience to him. This is huge. Because a sin that is rebuked over and over is a sin, is the sin of refusing to hear God's voice. See, we should listen to hear God's message to our hearts. We should listen as we study God's Word. We should listen as we offer prayers to the Father. We should listen to the gentle leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we should listen to the wise counsel of Christian brothers and sisters. See, obedience 
was Abram's response to God's command. God commanded him. He said, I want you to go forth from your country. And obedience says he went forth. He did what God told him to do. This should be our response when we receive a clear impulse from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, and and, and when the Holy Spirit confirms that in our hearts, we ought to be obedient. We ought to go forth. You know, a few years ago, a friend, one of those friends who often said, the Lord told me. The Lord told me. Said to me that the Lord told her to divorce her husband. I'll agree that he was a hard man and a difficult man to live with. He treated her badly. And on this occasion, she told me that she prayed about it and felt a peace that divorcing him was of the Lord. I tried to convince her that her peace was not from God. Rather, it was the relief that comes from escaping a difficult situation. Because God's word is clear that God hates divorce. He's clear on that. The Spirit of God will not tell you to do something that is contrary to God's word. And we can justify and we can make all of the excuses that we want, but the Holy Spirit of God will not tell you something that is contrary to God's word. He won't do it. On the other hand, it's possible to have God's word in our heads and not be sensitive to God's spirit in order to apply the word in specific situations. You know, we don't hear what we want to hear. And we hear, but we don't really hear. You know, when I was a kid, we lived close to some railroad tracks. And those trains used to go by there. And after a while, you don't even hear them anymore. We got so used to it that we didn't even hear the train going by. Oh, we heard the trains often, but we really didn't hear them. We blocked out the noise. And spiritually, we can do the same thing. We block out the Holy Spirit. Because we don't want to hear it. Because we're not planning on following it. See, we develop the capacity to block out the Word of God from certain areas of our lives. Oh, we read it and we hear it preached, but we really don't hear it. And often we don't hear it because it reveals the major changes in our lives that we don't want to make. And that's why Jesus, when he taught, he often said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He also said, take care how you listen. Take care. See, Abram's word, heard God's word to him, an obedient faith. Here's God's word with a willingness to yield to the Lord in areas where we need to change. See, in response to Abram's faith and obedience, the Lord appeared to him again with a message of comfort and assurance. He spoke the word to him, and it says that Abram went forth. 
But now look at verse 7. It says, The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land. Sometimes, people who consider themselves to be true worshipers of God want the fulfillment of the promises before they take the steps of faith and obedience. God, we just want you to do it for us. Just take care of it. We don't want to have to struggle. We don't want to have to be uncomfortable. We don't want to have to give up anything. We just want you to provide everything that we need. See, it is huge when God really does come through. When we are obedient to his revealed will. See, we must be clear on what the Bible teaches about saving faith. Because saving faith is obedient faith. Saving faith is obedient faith. It's not saving faith and then do whatever you want faith. It's saving faith is obedient faith. And I think this is big because we live in a society that wants to to say, hey, we can do whatever we want whenever we want. And that's not according to God's word. That's not biblical. See, it was no accident that Luke records in the story of the ten lepers. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. In his compassion... Our Lord had given a command to these ten pitiful and desperate men. And their response of faith and obedience is what made possible for God to heal them. As they went, they were healed. See, there would be more miracles in the lives of the disciples today if we would give instant and joyous obedience to the clear commands from God's word. We would see it before our eyes if we would give that instant and joyous obedience. But what we do is we rationalize, we think about it, and we we pray about it. That means we're not going to do it. That means we're going to pray about it and try and talk God out of it. But we need instant and joyous obedience. I mean, God appears... To Abram in verse 7. And it's like God welcomed him into the land. I mean he packed all of his stuff. He moved away from his family. And he gets into the land of the Canaanites. And it's as if once he was there. Then God appeared to him. I love that. Because the God who is here. Is also the God who is there. Wherever there may be. I love that. He welcomed him into the land and reminded him to your descendants, to your seed, to your children, grandchildren, great grandchildren, I will give this land. What a great thing. Abram is leaving, walking by faith, following God in obedience. And when he gets to where God says, this is it, this is the land, God appears to him and says, I'm going to give this land to your children, to your descendants. I mean, that's a striking promise. Because remember that Abram, 
Abram was, biblically speaking, a middle-aged man. I say biblically speaking because he was 75 years old. I don't think anybody in our society would say someone 75 is middle-aged. Maybe. I don't know. But he was, he was 75 years old. His wife was barren. She was not having children for whatever reason, whatever medical reason behind that. She was barren and had been barren to this point. He's 75 years old and God is telling him, I'm going to give this land to your children. Wow. Maybe we ought to get started on that, God. You know, I mean, he's 75 years old. He lives to be 175. But here's a man who's in middle age. His wife is barren. She can't have children. And God promises this land to his descendants. So in that promise, there's not only the encouragement, but also the trial of his faith. And I'm sure they discussed it between themselves quite often. So what's the plan Abram, I don't know, Sarah. God said he's going to give it to our children. We don't have any children. I know. Let's trust God. Okay, but what's the plan? And it goes round and round. But God gave the promise. And then we read something very special. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. I want to very quickly give you four principles here in Abram's training. Four principles from Abram's training. I mean, from the first word, he simply was called to go. No promise of inheritance, but he obeyed. And he came to Canaan and he found there that the land was highly populated with Canaanites. And there was this advanced social structure. And he received no vision from God until he was face to face with the Canaanite. Think about that. This land was inhabited. It wasn't a free land. It was a land that somehow Abram was going to have to fight for. You see, the first principle is this. God leads leads us step by step. Abram didn't have a map. God didn't tell him where he was going. He didn't tell him how long it was going to take him to get there. He didn't tell him all the little details of, of what he was doing. But God was leading him step by step. One day at a time. I think that's big too. Because God works the same way in our lives. One day at a time. He doesn't map out the whole big plan and say, Ridge, this is what I have for your life. Look at this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. You're going to move to Texas. I had no clue. We're working one day at a time here, folks. Because that's how God works. One day at a time. See, because it's meant that if our future is uncertain, it means that it will keep us near to God. Dependent upon God. And he will train us to live one day at a time. Sometimes if we saw the future, it would blow our mind. And we would run in the other direction. I know I would have. But God gives us The grace that we need each day. His mercies are new every morning. Secondly, obedience sometimes brings us into difficult places. Can you imagine 
This is the land I'm going to give to your descendants. Uh, but Lord, there's Canaanites here. Lord, there's, there's these, these people in the land that uh, they don't look all that friendly. doesn't look like they're just going to roll over and give me their land. I would just imagine that Abram was ready to say, this can't be the land for me. It's already inhabited. There's already people here. And most of the time, most of the time, when we find obstacles, when they come before us in our way, we must think that somehow we misunderstood God's instructions. But listen, when there's many adversaries, it usually indicates that there's an open door. Many times that's how God works. When you see lots of adversaries, when you see the enemy, a lot of times it means there's an open door somewhere there that God wants to take you through. Thirdly, I would say the presence of enemies brings the presence of God. You see, as the darkness thickens, the pillar of fire brightens. God appears more clearly because our spirits tend to be more eager and we're, we're able to see him. And you know, it, it's God's mercy that he gives us that, that feel, if you will, of the Canaanite. That we have to actually sense our enemy and sense that in him and, and, and where we're at, where he takes us, so that we can also sense his strength coming by us. He gives us that. And fourthly, lastly, I would say this, our victory is found in the vision of God and his loving purpose. I mean, look at the excellent confidence that God has. To your descendants, I will give this land. To your descendants, I will give this land, not that land, but this land. God is showing his confidence to Abram. You can trust me. You see, God's vision is our true strength. What God's plan is for us. Sure, it's going to make us feel like pilgrims, you know, traveling through. Which is probably more than half the battle. Because we want to hang on to everything that comes by us. We want to entrench ourselves. This is my territory. This is my house. This is my church. This is my, 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 my. When God says, no, it all belongs to me. You're just a pilgrim passing through. See, Abram was discovering the faithfulness and the generosity of God. Because God had communicated his will to Abram, a desire in his heart for fellowship with God welled up. So Abram built an altar. Abram built an altar. See, the basis of our worship, we come here to gather in corporate worship, and the basis of our worship is our conscious, conscious and precious relationship with God. If you worship God every day, if you worship him many times throughout the day, you're not going to have trouble 
worshiping him in a corporate body. But most of the time, we've put him out of our mind and we've gone our own way most of the week. And then we come to corporate worship and we've got no appetite for worship. But you see, Abram is seeing God's provision. He's seen him. He wants, he's seen his generosity. He's seen his faithfulness. And it wells up inside him. And he can do nothing but worship God. So he builds an altar to God at Shechem. See, Abram builds this altar to the Lord who appeared to him. In verse 8, it talks about him pitching his tents over by Bethel and Ai. We see Abram the pilgrim living in tents, but he puts a more permanent thing to God by building an altar. See, by him worshiping God and leaving that altar and moving on, That altar became a witness to the Canaanites in that land that there was a new God in town. The true and living God. The one and only. The Almighty. It was a witness to them. Can you imagine them coming upon this altar that Abram built? What's this doing here? It's kind of out of place. What is this? It's an altar to the living God. See, Abram, the worshiper, gave witness to the strength behind his obedience and the faith by calling on the name of the Lord. The altar served a, a number of important functions, and we should build altars along the, the pilgrimage of our spiritual life. We see that all through Genesis, that everywhere that Abram stops and camps, he, he builds an altar to the Lord. See, altars served a number of important functions. An altar provided a place for prayer. A place for prayer. An altar provided a place for offering praise to God. A place for serious heart searching and self-examination. An altar provided a place for dedication and rededication to God's will. An altar provided a place for sacrifice. An altar provided a place for remembrance. So as you think back over your spiritual journey, how many altars have you built? How many spiritual markers have you set up? See, most likely the number will be determined by the number of meaningful experiences that you've had with God along the way. See, I want to encourage you to put forth a real effort to be obedient to the Lord as he reveals his will to us. As a body and as individuals. And let's build some altars along the way. Because if we build the altar, he will bring the fire.